All right, you ready? Yep. Sweat Equity Podcast and streaming show, the number one comedy business podcast in the world. Make it quick, I gotta do this the whole time. Uh, pragmatic entrepreneurial advice with Real Raw Dog Talk, hosted by me, Law Smith, and Eric Regenger. I don't give a shit. Uh, we're 2022's Lux Life Best pot, Small Business Podcast Advice. Uh, out there in the world. I don't know. We won another award. Big deal. Big whoop. Listen to us on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, uh, Vimeo, your mom's Walkman, that Sony old Walkman. Yeah, we're on that. We're in in her uh, high-waisted jean shorts that made a comeback. Um, This episode sponsored by Squarespace. Create a customizable website or online store with an all-in-one solution from Squarespace. Choose a website template and start your free trial today. Hook up this show. Hook up yourself with a little referral code action in the description. And if you want to be our BFFs, subscribe to this podcast. Rate the show with a five-star review. Write a little short review. We may read it on air. And then share the show with a friend or family member, a loved one, if you will. We got John Fortino from... Uh, nailed the, it. The totally eight, nailed it. The, <laughs> you like that? Uh, perfecto. Fortino uh, from the agency guy. Maybe one of the best interviews we've had on this show. Uh, and we'll definitely have to have him back on. But the, the tag, as we call it in the episode, the agency's the agencyguide.com is where you can find it. Let's get the party started. It's called Listening to the Sweat Equity Podcast. Sweat Equity. Hey guys. John. Hey there. How's it going? We'll uh, move our nicotine gum and I'll put mine like a dip so it's not chomping. Yeah, me too. (laughs) That's a good idea. Where's your spit bottle? Well, I forget people think I dip. When I'm on stage doing stand-up, and I forget I have nicotine gum as I'm walking up, and I have to put it in like a lip, and I mumble, ah. I mumble already, as my orthodontist used to say, "Big teeth, little mouth." But I'll say, "Little tiny mouth, little little baby mouth." I I wouldn't be good in prison. Um, yeah, you would. Well, you know, this ass don't quit. That's for sure. Um, we're already going. We'll probably keep this part in. All right. Uh, Sounds good. I mean, the baby, the baby mouth and all. We're, <laughs> baby mouth. Especially. We're live on tape. That's how we roll. Uh, less pre-production. John, why don't you give uh, the audience your, your plugs, uh, where people can find you, all that stuff. Yeah, sure. So I'm the founder of a unique marketing consultancy called The Agency Guide. We're based out of Philadelphia. You can find us online at theagencyguide.com. We used to be the agency guy, rebranded a couple years ago, so the agency guy works as well. Um, you know, and as far as social goes, most of our handles are agency guide HQ. Uh, if anyone needs help finding a reliable marketing agency or advice on how to select marketing channels, we'd love to help however we can. Yeah, um, uh, you're one of the few guests we've had that sent an email ahead of time. 
preparing on what to talk about. And I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. No, it's a great thing. It's a great thing. Because we, we, we have a, a mantra of not prepping beforehand. Mm-hmm. And it's not because we're lazy. It, it right. actually is on purpose to kind of be right. from the mouth of babes. Mm-hmm. See, we got our yeah. own. We got our own agency over here, and we work on spin. No, um, but it's one of those things where, you know, we want to kind of ask some of the 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 dumber questions in a way, uh, and sometimes we can gloss over that. I, we don't want to get too uh, nitty gritty specific, you know. Yeah, keep it nice okay. and dumb. Well, we yeah, can, dumb like, sounds dumb sounds old. perfect. I came on here to be as dumb as possible. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, it's just a conversation. You know, uh, we just, we don't want to, like, we can definitely get into, like, ABM marketing, and we can get into, like, uh, you know, pixel tracking, all that stuff. We can get all into that stuff, but it's not, it's not very palatable if you're not in the marketing world, you know? Yeah, um, totally get it. Let's, uh, since you're, this is your first time on the show, uh, we used to Thanks ask, for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming on. Um, you guys are looking super Tampa Bay, by the way. Thank you. That's our vibe. I think we're bringing the ninety early nineties back. Yeah, yeah. You got the cutoff tees. Well, this you're, w- you're true. You're like this. You're like the sweat e bros, right? <laughs> yes. This, well, this is uh, the tank top I'm wearing. If anybody wants to go on our our store on sweatequitypod.com, it is a girthy ROI, but I made it so that the negative space <laughs> on it. Um, it's not so pronounced, so you can wear it out in public. Right. I like it. Yeah. You know, I see comedians merch that has like the like F word on it, and you're like, yeah, I guess <laughs> you're gonna wear, wear that. You wear that at home, or- right? Yeah, it's a bit much. I just saw that on the plane. It's funny you bring that up. Really? Like I, I just had had one word, the F word, on it, and I was thinking that's that's bold. You know, I saw it's one bit- that had just cocaine on it, and I was like, that is cool. Wow. Wow, that that's one, next that level. Who's that, that for? Cool. Who, who, are, who are those <laughs> I for? guess me. Well, to go be like, that's cool. Cocaine. But, yeah, like, but the, is it? Yeah. <laughs> I, like, think it I mean, it's funny. I mean, obviously, I think it's cool because it's funny. Well, I like, mean, why stop at cocaine? Well, Meth. A guy that wears right? a cocaine hat. H. Talk about branding. Yeah. He wants you to talk to him about cocaine. Right. Or True. he's recovering, which is where my head went. Right, you might mm-hmm. as well add a question mark. Cocaine? Or he's looking. He's uh, yeah, looking. Exactly. Yeah. You just it's like advertising. Oh no, officer, it's just a joke. Yeah. If you have any cocaine. Not the great be cool. Not the greatest icebreaker, I would say. No. And no. at an airport but like he cuts through the bullshit. Efficient. Putting you know? yeah, efficient. Yeah. Putting fuck on a hat. I mean, it doesn't get you laid for sure. Like yeah. uh, like that it, kind of girl. Whew. Yeah, I mean, maybe, maybe in a certain small, like, I don't, I don't get it. It's really because maybe I'm getting more conservative as I get older. There's a lot more mm-hmm. salt than pepper going. Uh, yeah. Like John's beard <laughs> as well. Uh, um, and like, nice. I think I'm just like, who, who's this for? It's just going to be little kids asking what that's about. Right. You're or just be- making parents' life harder. Yeah. It, now I get like uh, when I used to skate and I get like the BMW sticker that said THD instead of BMW. Yeah, that's fun. Sure. But, yeah. But you had to get that at a real skate shop. Yeah. Yeah. The F bomb hat. It's not great for conversion, frankly. <laughs> no. There's a lot of bounce rate with the F bomb hat. But but maybe we we don't know. And maybe that's would, an A/B test. Yeah, I would love to know how many mm-hmm. of those were sold because somebody made those. Somebody thought that yeah. was a good idea to make them, and he probably made ten thousand of them. 
And, and thousands of fuck hats. Was this guy, were you on a plane going from Philly somewhere else? Because that's where my head went. Yeah, that's right. Just left <laughs> Philadelphia today. <laughs> okay, well. Just landed in Chicago and, uh, you know, got my, got my hustle on so I could be here in time for you guys. Sorry if my lighting's a little weird. Oh, you're all good. Perfect. Look, you look but, like you're in a nice Airbnb right now. It, yeah, just some rando B&B, but it works. Yeah. Um, what, so we asked everybody the first time on, um, what advice would you give your 13-year-old self? Right. Yes, I totally forgot to prepare for that question. Good. You don't have to. Good. It's not, <laughs> it's not supposed to be a prepared question of sorts. We're not, we're not used to the guests listening before they come on, so, you know. It's happening a lot more recently. I don't like it. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's so cliche, but probably something along the lines of hustle, put in the work, and um, have a, have an, uh, to use, I'm going to use some fancy terminology here, but have an internal uh, frame, of, uh, frame of locus, locus of control. Um, something they taught, I, you know, I wasn't a psychology major, but like I took like Psych 101 as an elective. And I'll never forget the day it was like it was like day one or day two, and they were like, "Look, there's internal locus of control and external locus of control, and you fall into one of these two camps, right? You know, <laughs> probably a gross oversimplification, but you know, like an external locus of control is someone who generally feels that life happens to them, and an internal locus of control is someone that feels that you know they have some, if not a lot, of control of what happens in their life." And so, you know, some combination of hustle and an internal locus of control, that's what I would tell my 13-year-old self and any 13-year-olds that might be listening to your podcast. By the way, apologize to all the 13-year-olds that had to hear that initial conversation about F-bombs and cocaine hats. I think we're good. Oh, no. They, I think we're all right. They know better cuss words than we do. Yeah, they have point. all the cool yeah. ones. We don't even yeah. know them yet. Um, that's interesting. It seems like uh, a lot of our guests have that stoic sort of mindset with things of controlling the things they can control and leaving the other things to be how they are. Nice. It's well, I've been having a, uh, off air, been having a lot of pre kind of destination conversations. Like I, I don't, I, I like to say just uh, kind of being flippant. Like uh, I'm too American to believe in uh, predestination of, you know, <laughs> like it is, it, it, it's there for like, I hate the phrase like, uh, everything happens for a reason, right? Mm. Because we kind of live in a, a, a great oppor- opportunity, uh, oppor- opportunistic society. Not saying that as a pejorative, because it's that word's only opportunistic's only used like as getting ripped. I know, off but or, that phrase is only said when people just had something shitty happen to them and they're trying to make them feel better. That's what that's I said. Not like, <laughs> that's what I said that's too. Not like a thing where it's like, you wake up and it's like, everything happens for a reason. And then you like have a great day because you thought about it that way. It's something you say to somebody to make them feel better. Well, that's, that's what I said. I go, that is great. like such a non-statement to me almost because it's like, it is what it is. Right. And that's like, I, my, that that my thing statement was like, is a different. That's like I'm done. I have nothing else to say about it. And can you stop talking about it also? Please. Exactly. Exactly. I think <laughs> it is you, what it is. When you go, everything happens for a reason. It's a conversation ender almost. It doesn't yeah. have to be. I don't know. Oh no, I'm an asshole, and I'm like, I don't. I don't really buy into that that much because these colors don't run. No. Uh, but what do you? What, so locus of control. I haven't heard that in a long time. That is. Mm. Uh, the technical term, yeah. 
so we're I and I seem to feel like we're kind of in the gray on that. Like I don't I feel like there are some things you can control, your habits, your routine. Uh, there's going to be externalities that you can't, right? Like uh, COVID, for example, the lockdown. That you can't really control something like that. All you can do is adapt. Uh, so you you would go back in time to your 13 year old self and <laughs> explain locus of control and kind of yes. a, a binary kind of uh, manner. Yeah, with a cocaine hat on, but <laughs> um, don't do yeah, maybe. this. <laughs> no, in the future, maybe this not, is maybe, cool. In the future, this right. one guy likes it a lot. <laughs> uh, maybe not in those terms, but but I real I would. And you know, something you said reminds me um, of something really insightful I, I I read or came across just recently. It's actually in a Jordan Peterson book. If you happen to know who he is, I love him big and, time. And everybody knows the yin and yang, and that it symbolizes you know positive, negative, male, female. Um, but I think it was his take. It was, it was one of those um, synchronistic moments where, like, I came across three different things in one day that all were touching on the same principle. Have you ever had that happen to you All before? the time. Law and I have crazy out. shit happen to us where it's like, th- that didn't happen. I don't know. Yeah. But they're so insignificant, it's not worth telling anybody right. else. Right, I'm here, I am oh, talking, but man. it happens all the time, like creepy stuff. It's yeah, like, you, sure. were, we, you were thinking about Sister Act 2 as well? That's fucking weird. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, yeah, in fact, I had a moment with that today with you guys but we can we can talk about it later i don't want to derail the combo but the yin yang right so i think it was jordan peterson he was talking about how the yin yang also represents control and the inability to control and that uh part of the ancient philosophy around it was that that line that separates the two is basically the individual's ability to tow both sides at the same time to master the elements of what they can control while being able to simultaneously operate in, or deal with or adapt to all the things they can't control. And the towing of the line is the, the line that separates the pieces. I thought that was absolutely brilliant. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah he, got, he, got, he gets a lot of unfair uh, due. Um, oh, for sure. For because sure. I don't think people actually listen to exactly. his long-form interviews. Yeah, they look at snippets. God, I want to try to do an impression of him, but I can't even think of what it is. Oh, yeah, it's kind of like, high-pitched. You go, oh, you got the yeah, the yeah. It's like a... He ends, that high. He ends every sentence like a whole... Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's all about the yin and the yang, and people don't understand. Yeah. So I got to listen mm-hmm. to him. I'll yeah. work on that. We'll do that live one so, day. So... <laughs> The reason we asked that question, we started doing it at the beginning, is because it kind of it sets the table for uh, kind of how you were brought up. You know, at 13, tell us about, like, why do you think you needed to give yourself that message? Wow, you guys go deep. Um, Business is psychology, really. I mean, if you really break it down, <laughs> we're trying to predict personas, behavior, in, in the well, marketing world <laughs> especially, right? Okay, I see. Well, I must admit, I, my answer to the question wasn't necessarily um, backed by where I personally was at that stage as much as just, you know, most 13-year-olds, I would give that advice. Um, but me personally, my parents were just getting divorced. And uh, that's an interesting age, right, that you highlight there, um, where, you know, you go from child to not so childlike to adolescence, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's certainly an inflection point, as they say. Um, and, um, you know, nevertheless, even though I wasn't thinking of my specific 13 year old self, uh, that probably would have been a great time to give myself that advice. You know, at that time, I think my hair was green. I, uh, probably had a studded belt 
Uh, I was probably listening to Real Big Fish and Goldfinger. Me too. And, like, trying to ride a skateboard through the streets of South Jersey. Hmm. Yeah, I, all of that except in Tampa. Yeah. I, I, yeah. And minus the green hair, because I'd get in trouble. But uh, Yeah, yeah. Operation but, Ivy was the bomb, right? Well, Goldfinger is one of that. I mean, I used to listen to Goldfinger nonstop. And Real Big Fish, I, I don't want to admit it, but I listen to that a lot, too. True story, Real Big Fish threw mini boxes of cereal at my girlfriend on their tour bus when I was like 14, 15 years old. <laughs> That's awesome. I got, to, <laughs> I got to be in the front for Warp Tour and sing. They did the mic thing. Them in Mighty Mighty Boston at Warp Tour one year. Mm-hmm. I played golf with Pete Sampras. <laughs> did you just have to blurt out to stay in it? You're like, I don't really know what we're doing right now. <laughs> hey, it is what it is. Hey, 99 Loft Balloons by Goldfinger. <laughs> Great cover. Um, so, one, <laughs> this is what it is. One, one of the things, that's a good callback. Uh, one of the things you, you sent ahead of time that always interests us is agencies, marketing agencies that are a lot of hype. You mentioned hustle in your answer earlier. Um, you know, did you not have your hustle on? Do you believe in hustle culture now? Or is it one of those things where it's that fake it till you make it on an agency front? And I think I'm going to guess, this is kind of a leading question, obviously, but uh, I'm going to guess you find that despicable like we do. Uh, the agency the agency life of being like you got to hustle and really more about the oh. biz dev marketing side for their own agency instead of the results gotcha. of the actual clients they have. <laughs> yeah, sure. So I feel like I should give some context on 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 what we do at tag is that did you i don't know if you guys already do that before the episode if that would be helpful go for it yeah so and i'll be brief so tag um is an eight-year-old consultancy um there's five of us and each member of the team has at least a decade if not a couple decades of experience behind this which is key we collectively represent about 200 different marketing agencies and consultants, which is quite a few, but at the same time, it's like a manageable number. 200 is not that many, really. Um, and we know all 200 or so of those teams quite well. And we're essentially matchmaking brands to these agencies based on their specific needs um, and, and while providing no-cost consulting along the way. Um, so for brands, it's like, hey, look, objectively, if we were in your shoes, here's what we would do, here's how we would do it, here's why we'd do it, and here's who we think you should work with to do it. And then there's no cost or commitment on their part. They simply interview that agency and decide whether or not they want to work with them. And then we, of course, make our revenues on the back end. So with that context in place, let me get back to your question. Um, you know, there's, <laughs> there's so many things just wrong with or just innately flawed with the marketing agency, the buyer slash seller buyer agency model is just like riddled with pitfalls. And you were asking about like the hustle culture associated with agencies. You know, it's one of those things where from the business's perspective, you can understand why they want to instill that culture and try, you know, it's capitalism, right? They want to try to get every last dollar out of those employees they can or not all agencies but certainly there's plenty of them out there that are just you know these machines if you will these um these these uh tr- um not treadmills but uh, what's the burn for yeah churn and burn right um and 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 that is an off not only an awful thing uh but it 
but it's an awful thing for the employees. It's an awful thing for the work culture, and it's an awful thing for the brands that deal with those churn and burn agencies. And there's a lot of them out there, especially on the digital side of the equation. I think there's a little less churn burn BS with some of the branding and creative shops because just innately they need to dive deeper, be more customized, be more sincere with what they're doing. After all, authenticity is so key to brand. But man, with digital shops like classic SEO, classic PPC, classic social, not all, but there's so many of them. They're just churn and burn factories, I guess was really the word I was looking for earlier. So Yeah, I mean, I have a disdain for a lot of that. It's it's definitely, you know, when we're working agency life, it's kind of like we did the opposite. We were doing the results, but we weren't uh, promoting ourselves. So we were kind of the other way on that, um, which as trying to revive the old agency brand, that's what I really want to push forward is, Hey, we've done it. You know, here are the results. Here's what's going on. But while keep, because I think because of comedy, I feel like you have to keep the brand integrity in place and you can't afford the client. I'm saying not, not the agency. Uh, the hard part about all the digital work is you work in the behind the scenes. Like you're behind, you're you behind don't make anything. Well, you do and you don't. You don't make I mean, anything they tangible. They can't touch it. Right. And leads especially feel intangible, right? Right. Unless you can really... And even still, you know, you got to do your own reports and make it look nice and, and that, make it, you know, look at all this shit we did. And that's why I always, I always push towards ROI, hence the girthy ROI kind of slogan of our show. It's kind of like, because <laughs> at the end of the day, that's all the, the, the clients who are typically owners or C-suite level making the decision... That's all they really care about at the end of the day. And if you're not really providing that, you're not doing anything. Is that kind of fair to say? Is, is that a good brand positioning? <laughs> I'm just going to get For sure. It's just, it's, it's, it's just amazing how across the different, as an agency matchmaker, right? And we are matching all different size businesses, all different types of verticals or industry segments with all different types of agencies. It's really interesting the things you see after doing this for eight years now. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, yes, uh, generally speaking, what almost everyone at once at the client side is, is the return on investment for sure. It's interesting from the small businesses vantage point. A lot of them, I think, go into the engagement um, with this with this mindset, this kind of conference, this confrontational mindset of like, yep. Look, Joe, you sound good, but we'll see what you're what you're worth in uh, thirty to sixty days. And if there's not, if you know, if my cash register is not ringing, my phones aren't blowing up, then you know you must not be who you say you are, and you're fired. And it's like, <laughs> well, I can relate to that on so many levels as a fellow small business owner. There, there, the thing that I think they're missing is that a lot of business owners that come into the engagement with that mindset is that. It, kind of just doesn't work like that. And I only say kind of, I only qualify that statement with kind of because digital ad buying to some extent can produce those quick results, but put ad, take ad buying out of the, ad buying out of the equation. You're not going to get that usually with SEO or definitely not with PR or branding. It's just really hard to produce uh, ROI so fast like that and um, unfortunately, that's the mindset that business, a lot of business owners, small business owners in particular, are coming into it with. And so it kind of, again, 
come starts the relationship with this confrontational nature right out of the gate, and that makes it really tough for both sides. I yeah, my experience, I've had it. I can show them results. I can show them. I do ROI analysis, right? And it's still confrontational. And I think part of it is because of that intangible part for a lot of small, I'm talking small local businesses, really. You know, they know they need to do it. They've heard they need to do it for a while. They need help, but they come in with that attitude. That's very, um, uh, you know, that's a very clairvoyant thought. That's like one of those things where I, yeah, I haven't really pieced that together in a formal way. So I appreciate you kind of formalizing that. Yeah, I mean, it highlights the importance of tracking every step of the way. Anything you're doing as an agency, make sure you can show it and tell them why. Why is that good? That doesn't make me money. So, But it will. Maybe a bit self-serving, but let's go through a scenario. As I'm reviving <clears throat> Tokabaga, an uh, agency I had and kind of laid dormant, now trying to bring it from the ashes, I go to you. How does this work out? I'm, I, I want your services... How does that help? As, as, as an agency. I'm an agency, um, and we can walk through a scenario for anybody listening that might be an agency owner that wants to talk to you. Because you, you, feel, sure. you feel, it sounds like you feel a very important need. I like the matchmaker line, um, because if you could matchmake clients, and, and it's kind of no cost to the agency side uh, until the client is a client, potential client is uh, an active client where you probably make money on that side. I'm guessing as we make as all tag. our revenue, we make all our revenue from the agencies in the form of commissions. And we're totally transparent about that. And frankly, most brands, if not all brands could care less. Right. Yeah. And especially since ultimately we just make the revenue that that agency usually would have paid their sales guy anyway. And since we work strictly on commission, not on salary, arguably uh, there's less, um, you know, like salary bloat tied into the retainer, if that makes sense. Sure. Yeah. You know, when, when we started this again eight years ago, I knew that I could provide a lot of value to the agencies, not just for the obvious fact that we were looking to bring them clients and bring them the right clients. But, Frank, the agencies have it really tough too. And I don't think the brands quite understand that. And Again, we use the term agencies very loosely, right? So let's maybe qualify or differentiate here that generally speaking, I think for these purposes, when, when we say agencies and brands, we're talking smaller, call it million in revenue to 10 million in revenue, 20 million in revenue. We spend a lot of time playing in that space. And that's where, frankly, I think our services are needed the most, both the agencies of that size and the brands of that size. And the agencies that are really good, it's so hard to differentiate right which is is ironic it's ironic on multiple levels right because a marketer's job is to differentiate <laughs> and yet arguably there's no field of service no profession that's harder to differentiate than the marketing profession because well one you're up against so many other marketers but two it's relatively easy if not very easy to fake it when you haven't made it as an agency mm -hmm. and as an established agency, albeit again, a smaller, more boutique one, it's hard to look different than those agencies that are just faking it. And there's a million of them out there. There's, there's no barriers to entry. 
Um, it's so easy to grab a Squarespace template, hashtag Squarespace, Squarespace plug for you guys, Thank right? You. So <laughs> nice. easy. Yeah, so easy to grab a Squarespace template and look amazing. This is true. So easy to research in an afternoon other marketing agencies that have put years of sweat equity, another plug for you guys, into their business. Real talk. Yeah. And then copy and paste their content, change it a little bit, throw it in your Squarespace template, and voila, you've got an agency air quotes from your bedroom. Then you multiply that by 100, 1,000, 10,000, and that's the agency landscape in a nutshell. And then littered throughout that morass of bullshit is, you know, the 5% of agencies that have really done it, that really know what they're doing, or frankly, really deserve a shot. And so the agencies are frustrated. And when I was selling for agencies, I was frustrated because I thought I was pretty good at what I knew at the time. And the agencies I worked for were pretty good. And it was so hard to differentiate from all the jokers out there. So I knew that the agencies would love what we were doing. I didn't know how brands would respond to this model. Thankfully, you know, almost a decade later, um, we've worked with some amazing brands, large and small, and they really appreciate what we're doing as well. Yeah, we're uh, we're definitely going to have to hit you up off air um, if if we can get in your in the tag program. Um, yeah, you hit me in the DMs, guys. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, and we uh, uh, I'm a LinkedIn whore, as you probably saw. That we have mm. a lot of mutual contacts. Um, Terrific. What uh, what can a brand that might be listening when you talk to them uh, on the other side of this this kind of marketplace that you've created? Uh, I I keep thinking of million dollar matchmaker as as I'm talking to you because it kind of is that right. It's not a corny e show, but the that that I forget her name, but she had good results with what she did. Um, you know, if I'm a brand and I, I you know I'm pulling in a million plus in revenue, small. Uh, what, what would you? How do you? I guess I'm interested how you uh, procure. The, the other side of that. The agencies? No, the, uh, the brands, the, the way you match me. Oh, oh sure. Well, in, in terms of the opportunities we come across, historically, it's been a lot of word of mouth and referral. Um, and the five members of my team, essentially the five consultants that work for TAG, we all are kind of career marketers and career business development people that married our networks together and kind of becomes this self-fulfilling thing. Another thing that happens is a lot of agencies out there, it's that old one man's garbage is another man's gold, where a lot of agencies send us their unqualified leads and we're happy to assist that brand in helping them find a proper home. And so to all the agencies out there that might be listening, if you have unqualified leads, we'd love to take them off your hands. Um, but, you know, for the, for the brands out there, it's, it's just as, if not even more hard to find reliable support because if it's hard for marketers to distinguish the legit marketers from others, it's, it's that much harder for the brand. So, you know, um, it's, it's, it's not an easy thing. Did that answer your question? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, and I'm, I'm rewriting kind of uh, an outline of a business plan right now. And kind of one of the core values I wanted to put out there is kind of being in, in integrity which is tough in this in the agency game. And that's really tough to put on there and actually prove it, you know? Right, exactly. But it's just a word until somebody yeah. can dig letters deeper. That's right. Yeah. Well, it's one of those things where I, 
what I've failed to do is prove it by showing results, uh, case studies, right? Uh, you're really trying to build trust and you're in the trust business, it seems like. 100%. Yeah, I mean, in terms of finding the agencies um, to represent, you know, we go through all the normal checkpoints and then some. So your normal checkpoints are, um, first of all, sizing up the site. As I mentioned earlier, it's easy to kind of fake that, but you still, you give the site a once over. And, you know, not to, not to, not to um, digress, but the opposite is actually true, where there's a lot of good marketing agencies that actually don't give a shit about their site, which is counterintuitive, but I kid you not, and I've told brands this before, I would not be so quick to actually judge um, a digital agency in particular, emphasis on the digital part, uh, judge that book by its cover, because a lot of digital agencies don't give a crap. Um, you know, if they're not creative focused, you're getting a lot of business through referrals, through their network, through ranking, through just everybody knowing that they're great and they don't care what their site looks like. Um, if they're not creative focused is a very key part of it. They're not creative focused. And so it's one of these ironic things, but anyway, so we go through the normal checkpoints and looking at their site, doing some research testimonials, a little, a little bit of a hidden gem we, we like to look at, um, is a uh, glass door. Uh, and yeah. while you can't, yeah. you can't put some, there's things about glass door that are a little sketchy, kind of like Yelp, but still I think looking at employee reviews can tell you a lot about an agency and the way people are responding to them. So one or two bad glass door reviews, maybe take with a grain of salt, but if you see a pattern of awful glass door reviews, that tells you a lot. Sample I size. really believe, yeah. yeah, I really believe with agencies that old mantra rings true of, uh, a fish rots from the head down, um, oh. which which is another tip I always give brands, which is always see if you can get the agency owner on the on the phone before you sign on the dotted line, which for small agencies, usually it is the agency owner on the phone. But as they get bigger, that gets harder and harder and that owner gets more removed. And it's I, I find that, again, there's no silver bullet here, but it, it there's some real value in... A, seeing if you can get that guy or gal on the phone, or B, doing some research, some YouTube video research or interview research on that owner that stake or the stakeholders to see if you can get a feel for kind of the culture and fabric of the organization that can give you a good feel for what your experience is going to be with. Well, John, we, we hit the tip of the iceberg. There's so much we want to ask you, but we, have, we, we stacked interviews uh, for today. Um, we'll have to have you back on soon because there, there's Love a it. lot more yeah. uh, to talk about, especially... I think we hit like two bullet points you sent us out of a, a, a good amount. You did our pre-pro for us. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, appreciate you coming on. We'll have to have you back on pretty soon because I got a lot more questions for you. And I'm, I'm sure Eric does as well. Yeah. Um, but appreciate you coming on. Appreciate your time. Have fun in Chicago. Go get a Thanks, chocolate guys. milkshake at that one place where the lady puts her – you never heard of that? Puts her what? And you go, there's a place in Chicago, you ask for a chocolate milkshake, they turn all the lights down, and then a huge uh, African-American lady comes out and basically forces a motorboat on you, and the whole place goes nuts. <laughs> oh, okay, cool. So go have fun finding that. That's what John's or, going to do, he told go, us. Or go to Zany's, where my, it's the only comedy club where my headshot's up in Old Town. <laughs> yeah, it was. You get a deep dish pizza with the milkshake, because <laughs> that would be incredible. <laughs> That's why you're good. That's that upsell. That's that cross-sell. <laughs> <All right. laughs> Sounds good, guys. All Thanks right, so much. See Thanks, ya. man. All right, take it easy.